0: Here's Reinman in the Morning, On Demand, from 102.1 and 105.3, The Shark. It's been 25 years since my guest and the band he co-founded, Bare Naked Ladies, were greeted by 80,000 New Englanders at an album release concert. He returns to Boston with the Stephen Page trio Tuesday night at the City Winery. Welcome to Reinman in the Morning, Stephen Page. Mr. Page, how's it going?
1: It's going great. How are you, John?
0: I'm doing okay. It's so unusual to be talking to you on the radio because I, I normally see you on my computer doing concerts from your basement for people who may not know. Can you tell me a little bit about the Stephen page live from home series?
1: Yeah, I started doing these live from home shows like, like, like a lot of people did, uh, in, in the spring of 2020, I started doing it at the end of April in 2020. And, um, had so many people coming out to these things that I thought well I can't just just do one I'll do another and another and another I started doing them I was doing them over Zoom which was so much more satisfying than doing them over Facebook or Instagram or whatever else because you know I could see the audience as well as them being able to see me and they can see each other and there's the whole chat thing on the side as well so it kind of just developed this incredible community so I still do them when I'm when I'm around on a Saturday, I'll do them. And so the, I think we have just, just did our 103rd episode last week.
0: It's so cool because it's the same thing. Like, uh, if my daughter's taking a nap or something and it's rainy, it's so cool to be like, oh, it's 445. Oh, that's right. There's a Stephen Page concert I can just go to. Well,
1: you know, uh, a okay, yeah, younger Stephen Page would have been, you know, uh, I think would have insisted that everybody have all eyes on me all oh. the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I really... I love the fact that people can put this on and engage with it however they want. They can like, you know, be really present, they can be cooking dinner while they're watching it, they can have it on and off in the background. I so I see people on their on their uh Zoom call, like in their Zoom window bombing down the highway or sitting at the beach yeah. at their kid's soccer game or whatever else.
0: Yeah, it's so cool, and you do a great thing. You always usually close with Brian Wilson, and you kind of go around to everybody on their different cameras, and you see everybody drumming along or playing their guitars or whatever, so it's really cool. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's,
1: it's been a, a lifesaver for me, for sure.
0: In addition to being an amazing singer and songwriter, you're, you describe yourself as a big foodie. What are some of your favorite restaurants to visit when you're up here in New England?
1: Well, where you guys have, where, where you are there in New Hampshire, some of the best fried seafood anyone will ever have anywhere. You know, if we're if we're driving anywhere along the coast, we always have to make a little detour to to uh, to get some some whatever like a, a, an entire platter of amazing fried seafood.
0: Well, I get a fun. recommendation. There, I they a place called the Beach Plum. It's in Northampton, New Hampshire, and uh, if you got to hit them up. But I also remember you guys singing. You did a, an ad lib at a show once. A place in Manchester, the Red Arrow Diner. Do you remember the Red yeah. Arrow Diner? And I the- do. They had some wieners and beans that you guys were very <laughs> fond of. <laughs> so, that's
1: right. I think for us, that was always a, just the fact that you go anywhere. It's you know, a food that you would only imagine having in your house. Yep. And it's kind of it's like when mom is exasperated and that's all there is, is wieners and beans. And <laughs> yeah. as, as a kid, you're like, that's a great food. But yeah. it's just you never expect to see it in a restaurant. I remember one time. With bare ladies, we were rehearsing. We had a rehearsal space in Toronto, <laughs> and we decided we wanted wieners and beans for lunch. And so our crew went out and ordered. We got like a giant steam tray, like a giant tray sheet pans thing, a full of wieners and beans. And I may maybe I've never laughed that hard in my life <laughs> and that long. So it's still the idea of wieners and beans brings me such great joy.
0: It's just fun to say too like it's just yeah anything like that
1: the soul the, the guitar solo in the middle of one week the end of it uh every time when i was in the band i would go up to kevin hearn as he's playing the guitar solo and i'd sing oh baby i love you like wieners and beans that was, like, right before the <sighs> Chickadee China comes in. Dude, so when I think of Wieners and Beans, that's what I think
0: of. Dude, I always that was something that you just reminded me I needed to ask you, and now I know the answer. I'd always notice you guys say something to each other. I go, I wonder what that is. But that's what it yeah, is, the Wieners and Beans. Yeah, I love you like Wieners and Beans. <laughs> did you do that during the Junos performance when you guys got I back? I sure did. Oh, my gosh. Did you go nuts? It was just so funny. <laughs> I, think he just, I think he just smiled. Yeah, well, for Kevin, that's a standing ovation. So yeah, exactly. it's pretty good. Well, speaking of those guys, we're coming up on a big anniversary. 25 years ago, Bare Naked Ladies released Stunt, and you gave a massive historic release concert in downtown Boston. Is it true you originally planned to just sign, like, a few CDs at, like, a comic store?
1: Yeah, so it was supposed to be, it was run by Newbury Comics. And that was, you know, in those days, in-store performances and signings were, were kind of de rigueur when you released a record. You'd go and, and set up, and as, as in release week, you'd go to different record shops around the country, and you'd play a little, you know, a few songs, and then you'd sit behind a table and sign autographs. And, you know, a good one would have several hundred people would come and line up, and it could be, you could be signing for an hour or something afterwards. And that's what initially it was supposed to be. But we realized, I mean, we had become fairly big in the Boston area, and we thought, well, I guess it was proposed to us, why don't you do it outdoors? It'll still be sponsored by Newbury Comics, but we'll do it out, so outdoors at, at City Hall Plaza. Um, but we hadn't understood what the scope of that was going to be. Like we did, um, I guess it was the day the album came out and we did, I think the today show in New York city in the morning and then got on the tour bus and drove up to Boston. And as we drove up, the, uh, the traffic was, you know, insane as it often is, but it was like, we couldn't, we just couldn't even get there. And we're saying, what is holding up the traffic here? They said, you are. And when we got there, they were like, I don't know. 65,000 people or something waiting to see us. And we had our little acoustic in-store set up with a like little tiny PA um, expecting maybe a couple thousand people would show up. And it was, you know, whatever, thousands upon thousands, people up in the parking structure and on the rooftops and in every window and we stayed till late that night, signed every last autograph that was there. Uh, well, I've never, I have the never exa- signed for that long.
0: I have the exact number. 80,000 people came to that, that concert. Is incredible. Isn't that just insane? I mean, like, yeah. for perspective, at LaGuardia Airport in 1964, 5,000 people showed up to see the Beatles. So you know what that means, Steve. <laughs> you guys are officially better than the Beatles, I think is what We, are.
1: Is. we are. See, but that's the thing. Then, then the Beatles will, will now stage naked ladies album burning uh, uh,
0: (laughs) uh, (laughs) ceremonial
1: album burnings because we've said we're bigger than the Beatles yeah
0: don't be my Yoko Ono yeah (laughs) no well talk me through that though because what is that like when you're in a bus and you know you're you're trying to break through in the state still you've had I think the old apartment was your first big hit here what is your guttural feeling when you go oh my god we thought this is going to be a couple thousand it's 80,000 people I know it's It is, like,
1: it's shocking and exciting, and uh, I was so great. Like, you you look back, and you're grateful to have people around you, you your bandmates and your crew and your record company people who are, like, on board for it. Everybody is just as kind of proud of the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you want to make it as good and as memorable as possible for all the people who showed up. That's kind of our, for me, that was always, like, the first thing in my mind is, God, I hope this is, like, enough them because they've all come out here and you want you want people to feel like they've not wasted their time and that they've actually been part of something special. But I think we were always good at showing the audience how grateful we were yeah. and are and uh, and so you just kind of and how observed the whole thing was. Like we never wanted to take it for granted. I think you know sometimes I think I I didn't spend enough time enjoying being in the moment enjoying it because I was looking at the next thing down the road. Sure. But really, I mean when I look back now I think we did a pretty good job of enjoying those moments and seeing how special they were,
0: thankfully. You're almost like a Boston band. It's like, you know, but the New England as a region took you guys on, but, you know, New England's sort of the cynical, grouchy area. Why do you think that we fell in love with five guys who sing about craft Dinner, you know?
1: It's a funny thing. You know, I felt like I, when we first started to take off in Boston, I don't think we fully understood the nature of the area. I think we understood the grit and kind of, Slightly, yeah, like you said, grouchy quality, but also we were you know, when we first started playing there, we were kids in our young twenties, and of course, uh, with all the all the colleges around, there's just a million places to play. Um, I think what was shocking was when it went beyond it because college kids leave you know when they're do- when they're yeah. done they're they're out of there, yeah. quite often, and the fact that we kind of translated to actual New Englanders was like, that was the big shift for us kind of in the, in the mid nineties. And, uh, that was like when we started to connect with the audience and felt like we had in jokes Mm -hmm. with them. Oh, sure. That was the thing I think was like, people knew they could come back and see a different show than what they'd seen before. And that they could kind of be in on the joke. And I think that was one thing we were always conscious of in the band was that there were lots of in jokes. Oh yeah. The difference, Between like an in-joke that is like within the band or within those the most in the know is that it becomes an elitist thing. And for us, it was always like everybody is welcome to be part of this, whether it's something completely absurd or one memory of, you know, whatever, pointing at some guy in the audience or whatever else, bringing somebody on stage, for example. These things can be... um, what kind of running gags that we can have with the audience? It's not at their expense, but it's with them. And I think that really connected with people in the Boston area.
0: For sure. I mean, to this day, if you just say Uncle Elwin or Bird Poop at a bare-naked Ladies concert or a Stephen Page concert, yeah, everyone yeah. right away goes, yeah, I know, I know what that is. But yeah. there's there's a song on Stunt called When You Dream. It's about all the things your then infant son, I believe, could dream yeah. while he's sleeping but now when I watch these concerts, your son pops up from time to time and performs with you. Do you ever does that ever stop being surreal as a father? That, oh, my gosh, he's playing with me now.
1: It's you, it's I, it's barely surreal. It's just like amazing. I just have to stop myself from weeping. Yeah. All the time. I love it. Like, that, you know, I have my kids will come and play with me um, whenever they can. I think I think my middle kid, Ben, is going to come and play with me at my next live from home show on the on the. Whatever that is, the thirteenth. Yeah. Um. You know, and it's just like for me, it's just the greatest thing. I think Ben was actually out selling merch for me on my last mm-hmm. tour up in Canada, and then came out on stage and played piano for us for Ugh. a bunch of songs. It was like what a blast! It's like I never insisted that we have a family band. I, right. I, I didn't want to kind of create that that uh, atmosphere of expectation. So when they just say they want to do it. Um, the fact that I even know the words to some of the songs blows my mind. Totally. And they're just such amazing. I, I learned so much from them yeah. as musicians. They're such, uh, uh, I don't know, brilliant and creative people. Yeah. It, and, uh, I love dad going back and asking for tips.
0: And I got to tell you, I have a six-year-old daughter, Sadie, and she's watched. You watched your holiday concert last uh, December. That was very special for her. They said, there's Steve right there. I think you took a request for us. And it's so funny because, you know, she came along uh, just a few years ago. So she knows sort of the modern BNL sort of stuff. But her favorite song, Brian Wilson, that's the first one she ever always wants to hear. So, But your new album is Excelsior. And so, say some people are just skimming through, and they like to go for the singles. What are some cool songs people should check out first from Excelsior?
1: Well, I think if you want to go for what sounds like the most classic, old school Stephen Page style, then I think you got to, you got to jump right into the, the Golden Age of Doubling Down, mm-hmm. which is kind of a up-tempo uh, pop number that laments uh, how cruel we can be to each other online, basically. Mm. Um, and the stuff I'm really extra proud of is, uh, I mean, there's a kind of a suite of songs, the first seven songs. They're pretty, It's as I call it, it's a grower, not a shower. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> it's the kind of thing where you listen to the first, the first time through and you go, this is a little uh, mellow. Um, you know, sure. It's really kind of a headphones record. Like I tried to make something that is the kind of record I like to listen to to get really kind of immersed in. And, you know, it could be some kind of heavy or, trippy topics about things like grief and um the you know exploring the universe and these kinds of like they're not the traditional Stephen Page kinds of topics, but I like really pushing myself to do that. You know, so if you want to start from the top, you'll it it really takes you on a on a journey. Almost like imagine it's a it's a little it's a little musical unto itself. And then the last four songs are kind of the thank you for sticking through this. Here's some sure here's some uh, traditional pop structure stuff.
0: Your solo stuff's been amazing, and uh, you've had so many great songs. I'll Just a couple of them that people can just check out because, you know, we're, we're a songs society right now, as it were, right. but Indecision, The Work at Hand, I love that one. Isolation. Oh, you, you, did, you did Isolation. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that was, I thought that was the best song during the pandemic where it was just brilliant Stephen Page with just all the lyrics were topical and smart, you know, and it got wonderful feedback. Do you ever hear from any of the guys from BNL? Do they ever send you a quick text or an email and say, hey man, we caught your song and good stuff? Or is it kind of just like, you know, hey, we go stay in our lanes right now?
1: It's been like more in the stay in your lanes way for the most part. Mm-hmm. But um, but like Kevin's the best at it. Kevin will actually like, usually when I put a new record out, he'll say, you know, congratulations on the new record. Yeah. Um, he'll send me a text. But, but Ed actually, with the last couple albums has both, sent me like, uh, you know, a nice little compliment or whatever else. And when I did the song, um, the Canada Loves You Back song for Ryan Reynolds, he sent me a text about that. Always, you know, very, very complimentary, and which is, that's a a nice thing. When there's enough water under the bridge that we could do that, that is awesome.
0: Well, unless Ed just wants to meet Ryan Reynolds. I mean, let's be honest, that could also be. I'm sure he's met him. I know he's met him before. (laughs) Uh, Well, let me ask you the other way. When they put out new stuff, do you ever give it a listen? Do you ever say, hmm, see what these guys are up to?
1: I, I got to admit, I don't really that much. I mean, some of the stuff I just hear because it's on, on the radio or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, uh, you know, I, it was a, it was tough leaving that situation. So for a long time, it was like, I didn't want to hear it. It hurt. It kind of felt like, you know, I don't know. Sure. Watching your ex with their new boyfriend or something. Yeah. Um, but uh, and also because that first single without me, whether or not it was felt like it was kind of at me. Yeah. So <laughs> when you're already a paranoid person, it wasn't a great
0: experience. You've described it as a divorce, and as a big fan, you know, my parents were together. They stayed together throughout their whole marriage, 40-something years. But that was like my one sort of musical child of divorce thing, because it did. The first couple albums, from both of you in different ways, I was kind of like, stop fighting, guys. <laughs> it's kind of like, come on, man. Everyone like, get along. So that's, that's so nice to hear. Well, you
1: know, I, because I went through an actual divorce.
0: Yeah, me right- too.
1: Around the same time, there was like, I had two divorces in as many years. And it also helped me remember like, i you know, I have, I made, raised three amazing kids with my ex. And I have a lot of respect for her. And I'm thankful for for what we were able to do together. I have no, like, we're never going to go back together. Yeah. And we've both moved on into things that we're probably much happier doing. And we're still proud of and connected to our kids. And I feel exactly the same way with B&L.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And, you know, I got to say that you've been an inspiration to me on a personal note, because I left a TV job that I was at for nine years and then shortly thereafter, same thing, went through a divorce. And so I've taken your lead in a lot of areas and you're a great advocate for mental health awareness. And it seems like more and more sadly, though, even though we're supposedly, quote, done with this pandemic, uh, people are struggling more than ever, it seems. So let me just ask you, It's maybe a tough question, but what's just one thing people can do when they wake up so that getting out of bed in the morning is just a little bit easier?
1: Uh, That's a really good question because, you know, you're right. Like I think some of the long-term effects are still showing themselves. And like for me, as a kind of a mental health advocate, Mm -hmm. I find it really hard to take care of myself because even though I've never said, Hey, I'm fixed. People kind of expect you once you stand up and say, here's, you know, I know. Here's my story. They yeah. kind of expect you to stay fixed no. and there's not a lot of room for a, for a bad patch. Mm-hmm. And so I've had, I've decided to, you know, take, take care of myself, put my money where my mouth is. I'm back seeing a therapist, which is something I haven't done in quite some time. And it's like, it just restructures how you, how you live your life and how you see yourself. And you, for me, one of the things is knowing that I'm taking my care of myself gets me out of bed. But Sometimes you need medication to get you out of bed. Mm-hmm. Um, like, see your, talk to your doctor. Talk to, you know, uh, not just Dr. Google. Yes. Although they can be helpful, too. Um, but they often send me into a into spiral. But, uh, you know, talk to your doctor. Sometimes, for me, I'm not on medication right now, but I'm on and off, like, in different times, because if I can't get out of bed, sometimes you need that nudge. But the other thing for me, just on a, on a more simple level, don't touch your phone till you're out of bed.
0: Oh, that's a so great idea. It's pretty
1: idea. easy to reach over and grab your phone before you get out of bed, and that can just either like delay your day start or send you into a dark spiral.
0: You're playing the City Winery in Boston on Tuesday evening, and uh, what can fans expect to hear when they go?
1: Well, it's, so it's, it's Stephen Page Trio, so it's myself and Craig Northey from the band The Odds on mm-hmm. guitar and Kevin Fox on cello. And we will do a survey, a full career survey. So I always think of these shows as like catching up with old friends. So yeah. we do some of the new stuff to show you where where I'm at. And um, it still has kind of that, there's lots of goofing around and occasionally made up songs on stage and all that kind of nonsense. And uh, we kind of go through the whole solo catalog as well as I would say the show's probably about half old B&L songs, hits and deep cuts.
0: One last question. Um and this is another weird hypothetical. But you know, you guys have talked about how big stunt was and let's just you know, go to a different universe. Let's play sci-fi a little bit. Uh what do you think would have happened in an alternate universe? Say one week didn't take off the way it did. Like do you ever think right. about that or do you just say, you know what, that's another one of those things I'm going to not let myself worry about?
1: Well, you know what? I like I had never considered The band not existing or not existing with me in it like until until i wasn't in the band anymore i couldn't picture the band and i couldn't picture my life without the band that was really hard on me Mm. um it took a lot to kind of like rebuild my my own self-image um when andy cregan left our band in 1995 after our second album like i couldn't imagine the band without him and then we had our biggest success and a much longer period of time without him like things Things do change and they ten, tend to change for the better, even if it's not the way it was when you first encountered it. Um, I suspect we would have kept going with it because because we had a fan base of people who were really into the band, um, you know, and we were playing places that were a couple thousand people everywhere, we probably would have kept on that circuit, I think for quite some time. I just uh, I think once our kids were older, and as the music business changed, I don't know if we could have afforded to continue to do it anymore. Um, yeah. but I, I really don't know.
0: My guest today is the drummer for one of my favorite bands of all time. They'll be at the Bank of New Hampshire Pavilion on July 8th with their Last Summer on Earth tour. Please welcome to Reinman in the Morning from Bare Naked Ladies, Tyler Stewart. Tyler, how's it going?
2: Ah, it's going great, man. Thank you very much for having me on this morning.
0: Yeah, I'm so happy. And before we talk music, though, I just have to say, like, man, what's going on with those Florida Panthers, huh? First they come, they beat up on our Bruins. Now they're picking on your Maple Leafs. Are we going to have a team in Florida with the Stanley Cup? That's not right.
2: Uh, man, I'm telling you, that, you know, I think it's some conspiracy on behalf of the NHL
0: that yeah. they want
2: uh, these Sunbelt teams to, uh, to thrive because the, ref, the refs, first of all, have put their whistles away. So the, the Panthers are concussing our guys, throwing them to the ice, interfering, slashing, hacking, everything, and not getting called for it. And, uh, you know, that's a typical... People always say, typical Leafs fan, always complain about the refs. But it is terrible how there's actually, you know, two rule books. One playoff rule book where they don't call Jack... S-word. Mm-hmm. They don't call anything. And... uh You know, the regular season where it's penalties galore. Um, I will give the Panthers credit for having a,
0: uh,
2: you know, a opportunistic system. You make one mistake and it ends up in the back of your net. Sure. Um, But I'll tell you that, you know, if they manage to pull off four straight against us after eliminating the, uh, you know, record-setting all-time ruins yeah. Uh, then, you know, I, I guess they have to be taken pretty seriously.
0: Yeah, that's off. Um, Bear Day, good Ladies, you're bringing your seventh last summer on Earth tour to the Bank of New Hampshire Pavilion this July. I saw a video you made on Instagram. You called it not just the best venue. You called it the only venue. Why do you love Guilford, New Hampshire so much?
2: <laughs> well, that is a, that's a good question. Now, first of all, um, you know, it's, it's, in a nice location on, you know, lakeside.
0: Yep. And,
2: uh, you know, that's pretty cool. But, honestly, they pull out all the stops there. They, they have the best catering in America. Uh, backstage, they they feed you like like you're a king. Um, they put a pool in. Mm.
1: Uh, there's a
2: mini golf course. Oof. There's all kinds of bicycles to ride. There's a fire pit. There's basketball courts. And it's the best day ever before the show. Usually, there's a massage therapist there. It's like you are so relaxed and ready to rock that the shows tend to tend to be rather joyous occasions. So uh, we they, love the pavilion, man. We love it.
0: They got to be careful, man, because sooner or later there's going to be a band that just does like 15 minutes to just go hang out backstage. <laughs> That's the time. We're going to do two songs and then go bank, hang, ride some bikes around out back. Um, yeah,
2: exactly. Go sit by the pool with a couple of martinis or
0: something. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> We, we love you here in New England. We're coming up on a big anniversary. 25 years ago, you guys released Stunt, and 80,000 oh. people showed up to greet you. 80,000 people showed up to greet you at City Hall Plaza in Boston on release day. I mean, when did you first realize this album release party was going to be like an epic historic event here in New England?
2: Oh, my God. Like, that, that day, you know, July in, uh, back in 19... 19- 98, that was absolutely incredible because we had been in New York that morning doing Carson Daly, the Daily Show, or whatever, not not the Daily Show, but Carson Daly on Total Request Live on mm-hmm. MTV. Remember MTV, kids? They used to show music videos.
0: They almost had to anyway, the other night because um, of the writer's strike. They almost, they almost said, oh my God, we're going to have to play music <laughs> instead of a TV <laughs> show.
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, Lord. Lord have mercy. Yeah. But we, uh, you know, we were we were rolling in that morning from New York City, and uh, it was absolutely incredible. Like, there's this traffic jam, you know? Mm-hmm. I had taken a nap on the bus, and then I got up. I was like, oh, there must be, like, a Red Sox game or something going on down here, or there must be, you know, some sort of construction. Maybe that was the days of the big dig. Maybe we thought we were being diverted somewhere or mm-hmm. something. Um, but no. Turns out the traffic, lo and behold, was for us. People coming to City Hall to see our little band. Now, what started as an in-store at Newbury Comics moved to outside Newbury Comics to, uh,
0: you know, they're going
2: to erect a stage maybe in, in, in Boston Common to uh, us, the mayor, saying, oh, you can play at City Hall. And friggin' 80,000 people show up. I, I, we can't, there's, I have a picture of that mounted in my office. There's people in the parking garages behind City Hall Plaza. There's people in trees. Yeah. It's, it, it was insane, man. It was it was one of the greatest days of my life. It was really, really cool.
0: Well, I mean, you guys had been, like, touring for, going around for, like, a decade. You made it big up in Canada. You'd been trying to break in here. Uh, Conan O'Brien, another New England guy, had you on his show a bunch of times, and just what did it feel like when you finally you look out and it's bare naked mania? Like you're like, oh my god, we're here. Did it hit you right then, or was it like we have a, we have a show to play right now?
2: Well, and not only that, we we were like playing kind of in a small acoustic setup. Yeah, you know, we didn't have our full gear. We're all wearing shorts and just like regular guy clothes. <laughs> sure, was it was nuts? It, it was crazy. And then we ended up signing autographs till it, it got dark. I think the gig was like somewhere around noon or one and uh we ended up staying till late in the evening signing autographs at a table and I just it was just uh I I couldn't really explain it. It was just so exciting. Boston has always been and New England in general, has always been like bare naked country, you know, like Yeah we've already we've always always done well in in the surrounding area and uh we couldn't be more more grateful and thankful to the to the fine people of New England for uh you know really pushing us over the top.
0: Well, let me ask you about that. Cause new England, you know, globally, I should say like kind of has a reputation, you know, for being a little grumpy, a little crusty. Why do you think we fell in love with the, the excitement and the fun of bare naked ladies?
2: I think, you know, it had something to do with our approachability, perhaps, you know, we seem like regular guys that you might want to hang out with. Um, And that that, that was the way it was on stage, you know. It it wasn't like we were performing down to the audience, like, hey, look at these gods up here. It was more like, hey, we're all hanging out together, happen to be playing music, singing about ridiculous things, and, uh, you know, having a great time together. So I think there was that that appeal, you know. Plus, I think at that time, you know, the sheer number of colleges and universities in in Boston and New England in general I think we just hit the demographic perfectly. And, uh, you know, we had young people totally into the band. And the great thing is, is a lot of them have stuck with us over the years. So they, they're bringing their kids now
0: right. to the show. That's who I am. And, I mean, uh, I, I have to just say on a personal note, I mean, it was so great rediscovering you guys. Because, uh, you know, I was one of those starburn, you know, uh, hurt-feeling people, you know, back, uh, you know, 2009, whatever. On both sides. I just said, this just hurts too much. I just can't. And then uh, I, have a oh, yeah. I have a six-year-old daughter, and uh, she listened first to your children's album. And then she got into Detour de Force, and that's like her favorite album of all this. That and Thriller are her two favorite albums. And wow. she, hey, she loves you guys. And when I took her last summer to see you guys, it became the Sadie dance part. People were looking at her because she knew all the words to Roll Out and Good Life and everything like that. And that's when I got it, where I was like, oh, like I get, to re- I get to fall in love with these guys again through a different set of eyes, which I think is so cool. And uh, I thought that yeah, album, a, one of the best you guys have ever made. It was just perfect. So well done.
2: That's a great story, man. I, I love, I'm going to tell the guys that one. I, I think that's really cool because, you know, I, I mean, obviously we pride ourselves on you know, doing a good live show. And ultimately, you know, we want people to come out to the show, have a great time and know that their you know, hard earned dollars are spent on a quality entertainment experience. So we're very happy to have, you know, bring families together and bridge the gap. And I'm also glad that you guys, that you gave us another chance. You know, we've, it's been a long time. We've been a four piece for, you know, 12 years now. Yeah. years. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, we've put out like, you know, we've put out six albums in that time. But I understand, you know, people have a vision of Bare Naked Ladies as the five-piece from the from the original, you know, the OG ladies. Sure. But um, at, at the same time, you know, the guys who are still here, um, you know, there's more room for each of us on stage, and we all get a chance to shine a lot more. So the show, I think, is uh, is still incredibly, if not more, satisfying for people.
0: Oh, totally. And by the way, like I got to say, last year – you know, I gave it some time away, and I when I saw last year, I said, Oh, they got it. I said, This is this is a bare naked ladies show. Like it was start to finish, funny, fun, so much energy. You know, people go they hear one week, they hear the old apartment, million dollars, pinch me. But a cool thing you guys do at the end of every show, you do a medley of songs, and then it ends with the Tyler show. Can you give us some spoilers? <laughs> what can we expect to hear in the Tyler show this summer?
1: Well,
2: it's funny that it's, it's called the Tyler Show. I, I mean, you must have seen a, a set list of ours because yep. uh, that's what we. That's what they. Uh, the guys started printing that at the end. <laughs> you know, you know, you know. What's funny about that is, it it, it got its name. You know, when I come up from behind the drum kit and kind of surprise some people with, you know, my rather rock and roll vocals. Um, we did a tour with uh, the Violent Femmes, mm-hmm. and uh, we love those guys and. The bass player, Brian, Brian Ritchie, his wife, Broody, actually co- coined the name The Tyler Show. Ah. Said, uh, he said, even, even, when we're, you know, even when the band was done and they were chilling backstage or having dinner or whatever, she said, I always try to make it out front for The Tyler Show.
0: And the there guys laughed, right? And, said, like, oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then so then it started to be listed on the set list as The Tyler Show. Hilarious.
0: I gotta anyway. let me uh, just give I, you <laughs> one suggestion for the Tyler show. Uh a song I heard too. that
2: Absolutely.
0: somebody's watching me, Rockwell. I heard that and I said, Man, that is such a Tyler song. I said, You could sell the <laughs> hell out of that. Anything to get you closer to a moonwalk on stage. But I, I the <laughs> whole narrative of that I was like, Oh, Tyler Tyler can nail this one. Um The Last Summer uh, on that's, Earth that's funny. The Last Summer on Earth Tour always has such great artists. Uh who's joining you this year? Uh well uh
2: um what is the actual date of the Boston show? Well, that's, we have, uh, we
0: have uh, your New Hampshire on the 8th of July, and then I think you're in Boston on the, the 9th of July.
2: Yeah, that's right. So we're Bank of, Bank of New Hampshire July 8th. I'm going to say that on that leg of the tour, we've got for Fighting and Delamitri.
0: That sounds about right. Um,
2: yeah, and so which is great because we toured with uh, both of those bands before back in the day. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be a lot of hit songs that you heard on the radio in the nineties,
0: heard on the radio in the two thousands
2: and you're hearing on the radio still today. And, uh, so that's, you know, that's awesome when, when, when the crowd can come and get a whole evening full of familiar music and a great show. So we're looking forward to, uh,
1: to
0: summer now i have two questions left because i know you have to go one's kind of a tricky question but i'll get beat up by my friends from college if i don't ask it the other one's a nice question i'll get beat up by my daughter if i don't ask it you go you have these great support acts every year you go out you do the the last summer on earth tour and a couple weeks back uh, because he was in the area guy you know steve page called into the show and he had really nice things to say he said nice things to say about all you and i was really delighted to hear that he and ed have been talking i mean that made my heart warm. Is there a world that somewhere down the road, one of the acts on the Last Summer on Earth Tour could be Stephen Page, and then you do three or four songs to kind of shut up the romantics that can't get over the past, you know?
2: Um, I would say that the chances of that are pretty slim, but on, on, on the other hand, you know, never say never. Um, yeah, It's, it's, it's great. Uh, we're very happy uh, for Stephen and fact that he's got his own career going, he continues to make music, it's all great.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, you know,
2: I think ultimately, um, you know, both parties are where we should be. We're yes. we're kind of you know, it's like it's like it's like the divorce, you know, where like both people are happier afterwards. And
0: yeah you know, uh
2: that's that's kind of the situation we're in. And we we obviously, you know, it's been a lot of years now. It's been like 13
0: years well i i looked at it to a friend who is still kind of and i just looked at it and they said oh they're both making such great music and i said yeah but you know things had to happen to make that great music you know what i mean like it was like yeah it didn't come out of thin air and it's like who knows so um then the last question and the the easy one this comes from sadie age six whose first concert was seeing you guys in guilford Last summer, whose next concert is seeing you guys in Guilford this summer? Sadie wants to know, and I'm quoting her: "Can I be friends with bare naked ladies? Can Sadie tell people she's <laughs> friends with bare naked ladies?" Tyler,
2: I, I say absolutely. You know, both the band and you know, when she's a little older, <laughs> the
0: real one. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Tyler, this is such an honor. Thank you so much, my friend. And um, this will air. I'll air a couple segments tomorrow, and I'll get them over to Alan. And then uh, there's going to be a full on-demand episode. I'll get that to you guys as well. And um, man, uh, favorite drummer of all time. And this has just been such a joy. And it's so so happy you called in.
2: Hey, thanks, man. Thanks so much for having me on, and we look forward to seeing you at the at the pavilion. Well, I'll have my sun tan going. Yeah. And my belly will be full of delicious food. It's going to be great.
0: Love it. Thanks, Tyler. You have a good day. Cheers, man. Thanks, buddy. Bye. Bye.